sourcing for innovation, making sense of the rapidly changing worlds of artificial intelligence, workforce development, and digital transformation. Sourcing for Innovation, episode 22. My name is Adam Curtis, joined this morning by Tom Eiler, CTO of Catalyte and leading Surge, a Catalyte company. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Good morning, Adam. This is going to be an interesting conversation. It's one that we had planned to talk about for a while, um, but given that we're recording this on March 17th, um, we are in the middle of a bunch of uncertainty surrounding the COVID-19 situation. Um, maintaining a company culture with a remote workforce has suddenly jumped to the top of mind of many people. Um, and if you can notice the audio quality difference between this recording and our past recordings, we are doing this remotely as well, as Catalyte has gone complete remote work from home for the time being. So thank you for your flexibility in talking about this now very important topic. Happy to, and it's a, it's a fun to be able to, to do this type of thing uh, from the comfort of my own home office. So before we get into some um, of the valuable lessons that Surge has learned about working with and maintaining a company culture with the remote, uh, remote workforce, um, give us a little explanation of Surge uh, in the Surge model. This is something uh, that we haven't talked about a great deal before on the Sourcing for Innovation podcast. Surge was founded in 2007, and it was really the, the byproduct of kind of two um, uh, very kind of basic um, facts or, or trends. Um, one of them is the the fact that many developers who are tremendously talented um, seek a, a, a way to be able to be successful and earn a living while maintaining their personal quality of life. So you're seeing with with Gen X, Gen Y, millennials. Uh, a greater willingness to trade off some of their income for the sake of living where they want to live, to have the personal flexibility that they want to have, and um, be able to actually pursue the things that are important to them. So we're seeing a lot of folks that are, are, are trying to actually exercise careers in a way that provides them that personal flexibility. The other, the other basic fact is that um, with uh, technical talent being in short supply and the need for organizations to find the top talent, um, people are coming to the realization that the probability that the folks that they need um, actually live within commuting distance of their office as well. And that if they're going to continue to be successful in kind of the ongoing battle for talent and making sure that they're well prepared to deliver the the, the technology work that, that their company requires, they need to think differently. And so Surge is really all about being able to identify individuals who want to be able to work remote from the location of their choice and believe that they can be successful without coming into the office all the time with individuals who recognize that there's amazing talent out there, and if they can support that talent and plug it into their organization, they can get a lot of things done. 
Now, this is particularly unique over the span of, you said, these, these 13 years, because we're dealing with high-level developers who are typically part of a Agile team, and we're thinking most of the time of an Agile team of being a group uh, in a you know particular situation uh, to be Agile, to have those you know in-person communications, uh, stand-ups, etc. So over the course and period of time, how has Surge been able to to manage this remote workforce in a way that sort of equals the productivity of what you would consider to be a traditional in one location, Agile team. So, so Agile has has um, actually really been an interesting um, ongoing movement in the software development uh, industry, and certainly specifically Scrum. And the essence of um, those techniques are: how do you actually help a team, a group of individuals, really find the synergies and and have the ability to self-organize and be able to accomplish um, very successful short sprints of, of work. And there's a high collaboration component, a high communication component. And a lot of people naturally think about, oh, that means people should be located together and um, in, in the same premise. The interesting thing is <laughs> a lot of the tools that have been developed actually facilitate that communication and that coordination and make it easier to be able to establish that in a remote layout. Um, so what you find out is individuals utilize technology to be able to connect in with the team members to coordinate the activities to track the progress. But they also have the ability to isolate themselves for productivity and allow them to be able to get the best of both worlds. So if you set up the environment in the right way, you have the right tools, you've got the right leaders driving the communication and setting the expectations, you end up with a greater level of productivity. Um, and you can leverage individuals who have really unique talents like them like I said, that don't necessarily live within commuting distance of your office. So you mentioned those leaders in setting up those expectations. Um, how do those differ or do they differ from the expectations of someone who is working in an office setting, um, especially during this time period, maybe with someone who is now required to work from home versus someone who might have to still come in or be required to work in the office? How do you balance the expectations of those two groups of workers? So, so I think they're, they're definitely different, or at least I characterize them as definitely being different from traditional kind of management um, uh, activities. You know, in, in an old world, we used to gain great comfort by being able to see people sitting in seats doing certain things. And obviously in a remote world, that is different. So one of the first things any organization needs to do if they're going to embrace this is recognize that this is different and that if they want this to be successful, they need to kind of evolve in their approach. Um, one of the most foundational pieces and, and frankly, this actually really supports a Scrum and Agile um, uh, approach, is shifting from um, monitoring activities to monitoring outcomes. 
essentially by enabling a remote workforce, what you're saying is, listen, we trust you to be able to be successful, but we need to produce outcomes. And so making sure that the organization is really clear about the outcomes they're looking to produce and that there's accepted practices to be able to demonstrate the results of work and to let individuals be able to show how they are producing outcomes. Um, so, so one of the things that, that, that we do with, with uh, our teams is we say, listen, you know, every two weeks, we're going to walk through the work that was completed and review the code and review the, the value and how well it matches with what was requested. And that allows us to keep the focus on outcomes. That actually interestingly spurs a lot of really um, uh, helpful things. If you, if you think about ultimately um, what, what you want is, is, is productivity out of individuals. You want people to be able to produce, you know, amazing things in the time that they're focused on work. If you focus on outcomes, it, it gives you some flexibility and um, lets you be able to accommodate the way in which the world is currently working and frankly, under the current circumstances, be able to be flexible. Um, one, of, one of the things that, that we talk a lot about is, is making sure that people understand that flexibility during these times are important. If you think about a family who has you know, two or three kids who are now not going to school, them being able to uh, deal with their personal lives and still be productive is really important. And understanding that dynamic, focusing on outcomes and, and helping people be be successful in those environments, that's really the difference today in terms of, of success. And you mentioned the word trust and, and trusting the remote workforce to produce these outcomes. There's got to be somewhat of a, a, a ramp or a getting to know you process or something to build up that level of trust, especially for a company that might be jumping into the deep end uh, with the remote workforce at the moment. What are some ways to both build trust as uh, sort of that remote employee showing that, yep, I'm good, you, you can trust me, I can get this work done, but then also from the employer to build trust that you are going to grant that flexibility and this is not going to be a micromanaging situation? You're, you're right on, on the mark. I think there's, a, there's a, a series of things that you need to be mindful of. First of all, make sure that you have the tools available to do the right type of communication and coordination. You know, a basic video conferencing um, application, a basic online chat system, um, uh, the ability to do screen shares. Having those basics in place and setting some expectations and standards around how communication actually occurs allows you to have um, frequent connections that um, are actually helpful to an individual who's remote to stay connected, to be able to understand what you're trying to accomplish um, and, and to be plugged in. You know, one of the things we talk about is we say, you know, turn on your video cameras. It is so much more connected when you see an individual you're talking to and you can see the facial expressions and, and you understand that there's human beings on both sides. 
It improves the, the communication dramatically, um, as well as allows you to be able to see if there's any indications of concerns or distress you should be uh, aware of. I think the, the other thing is be clear about outcomes. People want to be successful. You know, the, the, there's nobody that I know of that says, I want to go in and work all day long and and I don't care whether I'm successful or not. People want to be successful. It, especially in a remote world, being really clear about what success looks like, what the outcomes are, and coming back to that and checking in and setting, setting a tone around what we're trying to accomplish. I think you'll find that people really gravitate to um, focusing on the same things you want to accomplish, and that builds trust. When you actually produce things that people ask for and have value, people are like, wow, that's great. Let's do some more. And I think that's the basis of, of, of trust and communication in a remote environment. As you're setting up these, these policies, as you're rolling out these tools, as you're rolling out the communication for remote workforce on how to use them, whose responsibility is that? Is this something that you know, a CIO or a CTO is is driving? Is this HR creating a playbook and then sort of distributing that? Is this a cross-functional team that your company needs to get together to make sure that all of these elements are in place? Who is, is involved with this? Not to sound cliche, um, you know, I'll start with it's everybody's responsibility. <laughs> Everybody needs to make sure that, that um, the right communication standards are being set and that people can be successful. Um, in a world of, of Agile and Scrum teams, I frankly prefer the teams actually set up their own um, rules, their own methods of communication, how they're going to do daily stand-ups, how they're gonna do retros, how they're going to do demonstrations. Um, and I like the team to, to frankly own it. You have to monitor and make sure that it's working um, but that would be my preference. As a, a manager and leader, I would also set some expectations from the top in terms of what are the basics and what do I expect to be able to see. And I think those things go along a long way to be able to set the framework for people to, to responsibly and effectively communicate. Now, a lot of what we've talked about so far is the more business side of a company culture, but there also is something about having a group of people in a communal space, in office, where you do really get to form together the sort of social aspect of a company culture, how people interact, what's the, what's the vibe of the business? Is it, you know, sort of nurturing? Is it everyone, um, you know, trying to get ahead, a lot of type A's together? Uh, with a remote workforce, you can still have these collaborative tools. You can get on Slack. You can get on Google Hangouts. But the physical distance and spacing of individuals has to take something away from that social aspect, the fabric of a company. Are there, are there ways in which, you know, you can keep that culture cohesive as Surge has for 13 years? So absolutely. But, but let me also be clear that we're not advocating that, that everybody always is working independently in isolation of any human contact or any connection with other humans at, at the company. So, for example... As long as your governor tells you, you can. 
<laughs> well, uh, certainly under under current circumstances, let's <laughs> let, let's not do that for a little while at least until until uh, we're further through the, this process. But there's a lot of organizations that do quarterly planning, and certainly under the scale agile framework, that's something that that that's regularly um, support and, and endorsed. And a lot of times they get everybody together personally around the planning to reestablish connectivity to help people do that. So I think there are, under normal circumstances, reasonable ways to find actual interpersonal connection points. But to, to go back to, well, how do you maintain that when you aren't connecting personally or under these circumstances? I think your, your earlier co uh, comments about trust are important. Everything is built upon trust, and trust, trust is built upon relationships. So understanding that there's a need to overtly establish, build, and maintain relationships in a remote environment is an important thing. Um, we, we have teams that um, once every week, they let one of the team members talk for 15 minutes about something that they're interested in personally. It lets people relate to individuals, it lets them see a personal side, um, and it lets them establish a rapport. Some, some organizations um, have certain flat channels that are dedicated to certain non-business things to let people or affinity groups connect um, for people to be able to share, and, and some organizations are comfortable with, with those types of things. Um, Finding opportunities, frankly, for the team to have a little bit of fun um, builds relationship, it builds trust, it lets people relax a little bit. So I would encourage organizations to think about what fits for them and how can they do some things to let individuals show off their personal side, relate to each other, and have a little bit of fun, and I think they'll find that, that they'll get um, some, some really strong benefits from it. Yeah, I think under the, the current situations, everyone is a little bit scrambling to figure out just the basics. How do I connect with my workers who are now forced to work remotely? Um, if this continues for a while, which we all hope that it doesn't, I think companies are going to be able to evolve into that second and third layer to try to build up those cultural aspects of a remote workforce. Um, and then, I mean, in your opinion, do you think after this is all done, uh, or do you think more companies are going to be open to remote workers? Will they have learned something from this and they can see the benefits of a remote workforce? Or is everyone going to have to trudge back in again Monday at 7.30 for their commute once this is all done? I, I certainly think some will, especially those who have um, really worked to figure out how to be successful. I think what they're going to find is, wow, this is a strategic advantage long term, that, that I don't have to just pay for individuals who happen to live within proximity to my office. I can source nationally or globally for individuals who have the right skill sets who can, in, in, in a world of constrained technology resources, um, it really opens up your options and gives you a lot of alternative um, uh, solutions to, to kind of addressing your needs. And I think companies that actually lean into this and say, you know what, we need to make sure that we know how to make this work, not just for the short term, 
but this could be a, a competitive arrow in our quiver longer term when when we come out of this. And so I think there's going to be a lot of companies that actually do that. They embrace this. They learn from it, and they walk out of uh, the current situation a stronger company. Certainly, I'm sure there's going to be some companies that um, don't pay as much attention. They they may be preoccupied with other things that, that may walk out and go back to, to their old practices. Tom Eiler is Catalyte's CTO and is leading Surge, a Catalyte company. Um, just a couple of things for more information. If anyone is listening uh, wants some more tips, we're going to be posting um, information that we have at surgeforward.com slash blog and catalyte.io, that's C-A-T-A-L-Y-T-E dot I-O slash news dash ideas. Tom, any final words on, you know, things that companies need to do now uh, in order to prepare or to sort of <laughs> make sure that their now current remote workforces are producing as well as they can? I, I think the the little bit of advice I have is stuff that most people know, which is during times of uncertainty, people want to see and have reassurance. The more we can connect with our folks, the more we can provide them reassurance that we have plans that we're communicating, um, that we're willing to be flexible and that their safety comes first, um, the more they'll be able to actually put their concerns to the side and focus and be productive in the meantime. Um, so I, I hope everybody stays well. I hope that, that we work through this uh, quickly. And, and as Adam said, uh, we're happy to provide any information if it's of any assistance to, to any folks about the things we've learned and um, what we do to support our clients. Great, Tom. Thank you so much for having this very important conversation at this very important time. It's my pleasure.